Welcome in to another edition of the Husker 24-7 Hoops cast. I am Mike Shaver, joined by Brian Christofferson. And Nebraska was tantalizingly close to what felt like, Brian, a real, real strong resume that's almost unassailable uh, at that point. But in basketball, and especially college basketball, being close matters not. And uh, you got to win. Nebraska was not able to do it. We will dive into that game against Illinois here. And we will set up the week ahead uh, for Nebraska basketball, which once again, at worst, needs to go one and one. And at best, two and oh would do wonders uh, for this team and where they hope to be when the season ends or the regular season ends, Um, not just in conference play, but also beyond. So we will dive into uh, we will we will dive into all of that and uh, we'll just get started right here. What what was your sort of at what point did you think Nebraska was going to be able to maintain and stay in that game um, throughout against Illinois? Did you waver at all in the second half with the way it started? Did you think that they had that run in them to, to kind of keep things going? Walk me through the the Brian Christopherson internal thought process as Nebraska starts off pretty well against Illinois. Weather's a bit of a storm, claws its way back. And, uh, you know, for the lack of a better term, has possibly a win taken from him. Yeah, uh, to your first question, um, I was curious coming out of the break um, if because I knew Illinois would would come with a pretty hard punch against the ropes. And they did it. They they built it up, I think, to a seven point lead very quickly. Um, But Nebraska, by the about the 10 minute mark, I remember there was a timeout. And it was, I think, 57-55 Illinois. And so at that point, you're like, okay, if Nebraska can get this thing to like the, um, you know, under six timeout and about the same shape, um, they could pull this thing off. But there were also these cracks in the wall that were starting to form more and bigger and bigger in the second half when it came to Illinois' uh, offensive rebounds um and just uh, they were just starting to pile up and there was some foul trouble you were worried about and honestly Schaefer this is why the game was so fascinating after about the 10 minute mark of the second half the game didn't go like how you would want it to at all for Nebraska you know in the in that next segment um there was a long stretch where there wasn't a TV timeout until about five to five and a half minutes left and you could tell both teams were gassed Nebraska they had players was, like waving at their bench, like letting the coach know I'm I need I gotta yeah, I gotta go out. I could get a breath, you could yeah. see you could see Jawan Gary like at one point like trying to catch mm-hmm. someone's attention. And they you you almost never see it where I think there was like six or seven guys that were sitting there yeah. in front of the scorer's table, just like waiting for minutes to come into a game. There was a line change from both sides coming in, and it wasn't yeah. just Nebraska. I mean, both sides were huffing and puffing. But there was that moment for about a minute and a half of two minutes of game action where it was like that, where both teams were tired in ho- hoisting up shots that weren't going in. And I kept thinking, like, if someone, if one team has a guy who amidst this hit, like hits that shot, you know, or hits a three or something, it's going to be huge. And nobody ever got it. Nebraska finally called a timeout down six. And then Illinois had that stretch where they, they had only hit five three pointers up until about five minutes left in the game, but then they hit three in a row, and it was a ten point game, and it looked pretty bleak at that point. Um, but you know, they Hoiberg told him in that timeout, he's like, they can't score another point 
if we're going to win this game and he was, he would have been right. I mean, if the, it would have just been an 11 0 run, that would have been nice. Um, and you give Nebraska credit for the way they, they chopped back there at the end. Cause there was a point where you wondered if it might end up being like a 15 point loss. And then Bryce hits the three to cut it to seven. You get it down to five. And I thought, I think Illinois got a little tight the last two they minutes as, as Nebraska was coming on and they, they weren't sound with the ball. And, um, I, I don't know about the foul call at the end. I don't want to make this a whole thing about officiating, but there were, there were some rough calls. I thought, um, the, the worst call to me, we can get to the overtime. This was the worst call of them all. Uh, Schaefer was the, the foul on Hoiberg, um, Sam Hoiberg, actually, when they were Nebraska's down one. And I feel like had had a jump ball or stole the ball very cleanly. And they called the foul. It would have been Nebraska ball up or down one with 25 seconds left in OT. But the, the foul call at, at regulation, I can see where you could call it, but, the way they had uh, officiated that game, I don't, I didn't think it fit with like uh, a lot of what happened in the preceding thirty-nine minutes and fifty-seven seconds. Yeah, I mean, I, there's to me, there's no question that that foul, relative to how they allowed, you know, not just Illinois but largely Illinois to play defense, and that's that's what happens at State Farm Arena. Like this isn't this how Illinois plays isn't new or different like that. They're always really aggressive. They're always like, you know, there's, there's just teams. And I, I, I joke about this, but you know, Michigan football is the same way. And, and other teams are similar. I, I feel like in the NFL, the lions and the Eagles and the saints are all very similar in this regard, get physical and make the people whose job it is to enforce the rules, enforce the rules. And they didn't on one end of the court for a large portion of that game, or else Nebraska shooting a lot more free throws than they did. Uh, and unfortunately, C.J. Wilcher got called for something that happens a million times in a game, and there was less contact there than there was at center court for rink mast at the end of overtime uh, for Nebraska, but those are the breaks. And, yeah. um, you know, it's unfortunate because they played their ass off to, to get into that position. And I think after the Hoiberg tie-up, um, wasn't that when Josiah Alex stole the ball? Like on just yeah. a... Yeah. This was Just when it a, was a criminally dumb inbounds pass uh, for Illinois. And you were, you, you, you said this, I think um, in a way, but they were really skittish at the end of that game. Like they just weren't, oh, yeah. they were not, um, they were not a team that, that felt like they had been in that moment a lot. Nebraska just had them kind of on their heels in the last probably two and a half minutes from everything mm -hmm. from ball handling to defense to all of it. I, I mean, I was impressed that Rink Mass was able to get that look that he did so easily uh, to to give Nebraska the lead there at the end of regulation. Yeah, uh, and it it looked like the ma the magical moment for this season. As great as those wins over Wisconsin and Purdue had been, when Rink gets that bucket with nine seconds left, it's seventy three seventy two, and you're like, man, one stop, one stop, and they actually forced. Um, Domask, I think into uh, a tough spot on the court. Like I think Nebraska is, it, it was working out exactly as he wanted. And if you looked at like who was around the rim to try to clean up his miss, if there had not been a foul, I know Nebraska struggled all second half defensive rebounding, but they, they were in good position to just like seal it there. It, it was probably over. So that's yeah. tough, but yeah, they, the call that, I was bringing up was it was 83, 82 in overtime, 27 seconds left. The officials know Nebraska is going to trap there. 
Um, and they know that Nebraska's got enough time to try to force a turnover. So they're not just like reaching into foul necessarily right away. So you have to keep that in mind. And instead of anticipating that there's going to be a foul, maybe an- anticipate, hey, they're going to want to play defense for eight to 10 seconds, possibly, and see if they can force a turnover. Nebraska had it perfectly set up where they got the trap. Hoiberg re- got in there. And if you, I watched it back, he got all ball. Um, he got all ball twice and he kind of stole it then. He actually had the ball, but I heard the whistle and I thought, oh, they're going to call jump. That's what I thought. Like it, to me, it could be no other call. And um, I said I wasn't going to talk about officiating. Here I am three minutes into the rant. But I, I, right. I, I, I if just, there was a game where you were going to do it from a perspective of this season, this would be the one that's well, there's so there's so much riding on it. I mean, there is like Nebraska's trying to break a 10 year drought. And as you set it up at the beginning, if Nebraska wins that game by one point, 73, 72 or whatever in overtime right now, the whole picture is we're not as nervous Nellie's about everything. <laughs> And what's going to happen down the stretch? They still have work to do, but they would have had such a big resume ad. And so that's where um, I give like Hoiberg and the team credit. Uh, he didn't talk about the officials and all that stuff. He didn't make it about that. And that's what you got to do as a head coach. But there were some tough breaks, I thought. And that that foul slash jump ball call on Sam and obviously the one on rink late um, probably should have been a foul too. Should have been. And um, it didn't happen, though. And so you lose the game. um, And this is where it's going to get tough. You got to come back and you got to play a Northwestern team that has lost a couple close ones in a row that you beat only a couple weeks ago by six points in your arena, which was a tough win in your building. And you got to go beat them when they're kind of against the wall themselves. Like they feel like they got to have this game. And so... I'm I'm different than some people. You know, you'll sometimes someone will say, "Oh, they're they're on a little losing skit or whatever." I like when teams are at a high point a little bit. You want you Wisconsin coming in off or yeah. some yep. You want them feeling like kind of good yep. about themselves. Like, yeah, we could have we dropped it. Is it the worst thing in the world? You know, like Northwestern's not in that. They're like, we gotta we gotta have this game and we owe them one. So that's what Nebraska's got to beat on Wednesday. So there's gonna be folks who look at it be like well you go toe-to-toe with illinois why can't you do it with northwestern every game's a different animal and you gotta just like like get yourself fired up to go 40 minutes really hard and they've just got to be better on the defensive glass they fixed the turnover problem only had nine of them against illinois that was good but now the defensive glass has got to pick up yeah you I, real quickly on on the thought process of you'd rather catch a team when they're winning some games like that do you think that just stems from a lifetime of waiting for the other shoe to drop <laughs> with, with the various teams? Like, you know, the, the twins are on a hot streak and it's like, okay, here yeah. comes the bullpen or uh, you know, the, the Vikings have won three in a row. And it's like, all right, I've seen this. Yeah. I know how it goes. You know, you know where I think it is for me when I was a kid, you, when sports illustrated with sports illustrated, um, someone wrote a line. <laughs> that should yeah. be a podcast. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, whatever happened in the last couple of weeks, that's not sports illustrated. So whatever happens, happens. But the one that we knew as kids, yeah. um, 
that that version someone wrote once uh, they're writing about how wounded animals are the most dangerous somebody wrote a line and i remember as a 13 or 14 year old like thinking about that i was like oh that's such like it really hit it was like the biggest thought i ever had like oh man that's that's true in sports and probably in life like i was starting to get trying to get deep and i never could with most thoughts but um <laughs> but yeah so I've, I I think it goes back to then. Like I've always been like wary in sports of the wounded animal, the team that's like everyone's saying they're done. You know, they lost a couple. Those those teams always you got to watch out for. So that Michigan game on Saturday really has your attention. Because a wounded <laughs> I, Wolverine might be the scariest of them all. Well, I think we'll get to these games, but those are scary yes because like oh, gosh, one, yeah. one one trip where one game where you shoot 34 percent at home and lose the you know them and man it could throw everything off whack everybody's sort of acting like it's just gonna hold court like it, they're all oh, they're gonna get 10 and 0 now maybe um it, you gotta like go out there and fight because it's yeah. not i mean michigan as bad as they've been you know that like they have dudes who can ball on their roster and you've, you've watched Nebraska teams in your life that have won like four conference games or something one year, you know, or they're just not good, but they'll always have that like one game where they kind of find it, you know, and they beat somebody they shouldn't or whatever. And that could, you know, you gotta be wary that Michigan or somebody can do that down the stretch too. Yeah, I mean, what was it, two years ago, the Nebraska team had a, like a fairly lengthy losing streak, went into the Kohl Center and beat yeah, up on beat, uh, beat up on, on Wisconsin in a place where Nebraska never wins. Like, it happens. And it, mm -hmm. you know, I, there's definitely some Nebraska examples where they have had some games where it's like this, you chalk it up as a win, and it, it doesn't it doesn't go that way. I um, as we close out the, the Illinois thing, I do want to talk about this because I brought it up at the end of the Purdue podcast. I think we did. <laughs> I, I felt like there was some people that were like ready to do the, see, I told you so on case Tomanaga thing. Um, because he had those three kind of games in a row and he didn't look like himself even against Northwestern. Uh, he hit that huge three. So that certainly looked like it, but man, you can tell, like there are just some nights where that guy is just going to be unbelievable. And I thought I could tell pretty early against Illinois, like he was he was flying around hunting for shots that weren't just threes. He was letting these defenders get a step too far in and then going right by them and doing the sort of, I, I mean, has anybody in recent memory been better at that kind of flick the wrist floater over the over the rim protector than, than what K-State can do? I mean, it's like eight feet out and that ball just kind of floats through the air. He has like this unbelievable ability that he can change his shot in the air. Like he, my, my wife pointed this out when we went back and we watched it, he made a three that was fairly deep early in the first half where it wasn't like his normal ball motion. He goes up and the ball's like a little lower and then he's still able to just like guide his hand exactly where he wants it. Like he is, he is a, a, a special talent in some ways uh, that, you know, he is just going to be such a huge part for Nebraska. It was nice to see him get back on track against Illinois. Uh, and he was a was a big part of how they, they were able to hold a lead against um, the Illini in the first half. Yeah, um, it was huge early. And then, you know, even like uh, having a guy like that in overtime early on in the OT, Illinois got up four. 
and Kase hit an incredibly hard three that brought it back to one. And so he just kind of hit shots like that throughout that, that kind of like kept them around. Um, the thing I, I, I tried to say this on the last podcast, um, cause I, I knew that he still would have a few games where he's going to be either, the, you know, the difference for Nebraska and winning it, or he's going to put him in contention to, because if you look at what his, what he's done this season, he had three games, that three game stretch, which was a little rough where he only scored a total of 14 points, mm-hmm. but I was looking at the numbers prior to that. And this is all against like big 10 teams. Like he had, that was a tough game against Northwestern, but he had 14 points and of course hit the big shot. He had 16 against Rutgers, 13, Iowa, 19 against Purdue, 17 against Wisconsin, 28 against Indiana, which I almost forget about. Uh, you know, he, he, he had a stretch of like, uh, seven games there, six games and eight of the last 10 where he scored at least 13 points prior to that rough three game patch. So I think he was on a pretty good pace and I felt like, um, he was kind of being the big 10 case. Say we saw at the end of last year, um, for the good portion of the first half of the schedule this year. And then there was that little dry spell, which kind of confused things a little bit, but, you know, the good news about this team is you've got him and then you've got Wilter and like Wilter didn't have a, a great day shooting it um, or play as much on uh, Sunday, but Kese was on fire, so you didn't need it. And just like the other game where Kese was struggling and only had two points against Wisconsin, Wilcher was on fire. So you've got these guys who can kind of balance out the scale a little bit if one guy's a little off and that's nice to have. That's what we haven't always seen with this roster. If you want to just pull it down to that is like, Oh, that guy's off. Well then Nebraska's screwed. Well, it's not necessarily the case with this team. Yeah, no, I think that's a, I think that's a fair point. So Nebraska has two games this week. They get Northwestern. We've already seen them against Northwestern. Talked a little about a Michigan team. that's going to be limping into that one. Coming out of that Illinois game, obviously you kind of have to flush it in the sense that, you know, whatever you did in that game doesn't matter for the next one. Brian, I will say, I thought it was sort of important for their psyche that they were able to show up against a team that is long and athletic and, you know, makes you really have to work for your shot. Like they, those are the sort of teams that even when they're not as talented as Illinois, and there's not that many that are, um, those are the sort of teams like that's Rutgers, like that's Minnesota. When they lost those games on the road, they were really struggling with the athletes of those teams, particularly in the low post. And, you know, I thought they did a nice job of continuing to play solid defense. Uh, you know, you really would like to, the defensive rebounding to be better than it is. There's no question about that. Uh, but I, you know, I it was probably one of the better defensive performances from Tominaga so far this year. Uh, and I, I just felt like if I had a takeaway that wasn't, man, it was really close. And could you imagine what that would do for their resume? It mm-hmm. was it was nice to see them basically go toe to toe with a team that's more athletic and more talented. And you walk out of there and you think they should have won that game. Yeah, uh, definitely. And and to show some wherewithal on the road too, like where you get down 10 and you didn't just like succumb to that and say, OK, that's the outcome. Um, I agree with you, though. I thought they played hard defensively. Um, you know, the they got they got chewed up on the boards a bit in the second half. But 
they also turned over Illinois a lot. Like um, the points off turnovers were uh, very advantageous for Nebraska uh, throughout the game. Um, and Nebraska, as I mentioned earlier, only turned it over nine times. And, and Fred has boiled it down to those two things, uh, turnovers and rebounding. He says, you know, you win one of those, it's going to be a close game. You win both of those, you're going to win. You lose both, you'll probably get blown out. So Nebraska won one of those, the turnovers, lost the rebounding, close game. So it, it fits his formula if you want to really get simple with it. Um, and it usually does compute that way as you've gone through this Husker season. So yeah, I was doing some real mental calculus as you were talking about that. Yeah, and, it was uh, a. It does feel that way, yeah. But, but particularly, uh, you think about that win against Wisconsin a couple of days ago or a week ago. Um, you know, it it was those Wisconsin turnovers in the second half that just opened the door uh, for Nebraska to really be able to, to come back in and announce themselves. Yeah, and. Here's here's the test, though, to take what you're talking about and and move it forward to Northwestern. Nebraska actually out rebounded the Wildcats 40 to 26 when they played here a few weeks ago. So they got after it and they've done that at home in ways like sometimes they've stepped up and they've they've rebounded better against teams you thought might beat them on the glass um, in their building. So obviously Northwestern I'm sure in their practices this week is like that ain't happening like this we're we're gonna flip that stat around um and so that's gonna be the test for Nebraska is to to respond to a Northwestern team that is very much gonna want to turn that around and they're gonna also have to deal uh, you know with Boo Booey again who the Huskers sort of got uh the better of the first time which is very rare for him uh, Sam Hoiberg and Bryce did a really nice job on him. Uh, you know, they shut him down in that game um, pretty good. Uh, I'm trying to look at the stat. I thought he was like two of 15 off memory. But um, so that's going to be the test is trying to uh, actually do some things they did the first game against Northwestern a second straight time, uh, which, as I say, isn't always easy. Yeah, Boo Booey was two of 15 for a total of nine points against Nebraska. Uh, last game out so that's going to be tough to try to do that again yeah did you uh have you looked at the the look ahead for what the ticket prices are for that game because a couple days ago brian you could get in your get in the door price was three dollars i believe on StubHub. so if you are a nebraska fan that lives in the uh the chicagoland area you can visit the worst big 10 city in evanston and uh, attend a basketball wow. game for roughly the same cost of getting a hot dog. So, you know, you've got that going for you. So The worst Big Ten city. I, I... Yeah, it's, it's not even close. They don't have fans. It's not a fun place to be. And the only reason anyone ever wants to go there is its proximity to Chicago. It has nothing. But and it Evans does have the proximity have to Chicago. I, 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 that's fine. That's Brunson, all I have. Brunson and I kind of like the trip, I think. Um, everybody does because you're, you spend all your time in Chicago and then you go to Evanston for four hours and then you swear you won't go back there again. Uh, you know, the rest of the time that you're in Chicago and that's that like it, they're the worst big 10 experience period. They don't have fans. They don't like, it's, it's terrible. Like if you want to talk about just the bad big 10, you can talk about Rutgers and, and West Lafayette and these other places, they have people that show up and actually go there that, that actually care. Piscataway is not bad. If anybody, if anybody's got a bad vibe about Piscataway, New Jersey, it's, it's a nice little college town. I liked it. Um, yeah, I think it's more the, 
the shots of the arena and the, yeah. the stadium that sits so empty where it's like, does anyone seem to care? There was there was not a big crowd at Jersey Mike's a few <laughs> a few weeks ago. My one of my favorite uh places to watch a Husker football game is Northwestern though. I'd like the intimate setting, you know, and that the it's kind of like a high school deal where the crowd is split 50, 50 or 60, 40 or 65, 35, maybe. So I kind of, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I no that I, I, so I, I will kind of stand up for Evanston, but not enough to like, uh, like spend another 10 seconds on it. Yeah. That's, that's, that's completely fine. That makes for good podcasting here. People like differences. That's embrace the say, You you probably embrace the fact that their grass sits over people's ankles when they, uh, <laughs> when they play there at Ryan Field. I've taken part in that over exaggeration, um, somewhat on social media, but it is like it's not as bad as it used to be. Um, but uh, I get what you're saying. Um, I think they've been kind of fired up about their basketball team, like the students and That's stuff. That's what I thought so. too. And then I saw it was three dollars to get in, and maybe mm. it's not anymore. Maybe that was, know. Just, you know, ahead of the the game or whatever. Or maybe that was the the single low price someone selling his ticket for three dollars. But I I think that you could get in to that game for a reasonable cost. I'll look it up right now. So you fill some time. I can talk um, if they if they can get this win though, I've, I've talked about like, Oh, it's going to be, I mean, they can do it. They they're capable of going and getting this win. And, um, if they could just take that offer off the table, um, seriously on the road, like, and, and not leave people that discussion point. If you look around Schaefer, there's a lot of teams that are like, have one or two wins on the road. So the problem with Nebraska is that offer. If they had like beat Rutgers or beat, nope. you know, obviously Illinois, but like even before that, we always talk about the the Minnesota game. Um, yeah, you'd get some of that. Oh, there jokes about they can only play in one building and they can beat anybody, nobody on the road. That's not exactly true. It's more layered than that. They've been in position to win these games on the road, but you got to, which Illinois was promising in the fact that I thought it was the closest to forty minutes. They forty five in this case. They played on the road. Whereas Rutgers and uh, Minnesota were like 30 minutes, you know, where there's like you could take 30 minutes and say that would work for a win and they couldn't compute it to the whole thing. So if they could do 40 minutes again against Northwestern, understand that, hey, you win this game, you go home and take care of business. And then they actually have a week off until they play their next game where you get a little rest. That's the challenge I put forward if I'm Hoiberg with this team right now. It's like. I know it's been a grind and we're right in the middle of it, but we're about to get a week off. Like let's finish this in style with these two games because it could, it could really set them up pretty down the stretch. It, uh, it has tripled. It's up to $9 now, which is not nearly as bad as when I saw it at three. So that's, that's slightly better, slightly better. In I don't know. I can't remember how many that, uh, arena kind of small, I think, which is smart because it's not like, I mean, as I've said, they don't have that many fans. So you want to keep it intimate. You want to keep it loud. Uh, and and to the point that you were making on winning on the road, I mean, we just mm-hmm. saw on on uh, Monday night, Kansas State held serve at home against Kansas. That's you know that's not an easy place to go in and win most yeah. of the time, and Nebraska was able to do that. And so I think it's another example of they can do this on the road. They just haven't finished games. They haven't played good basketball, and they did on they did for the most part on on Sunday, and probably deserved a better result, but deserved. You know, as they say, Brian has nothing to do with it. You got to go win the game. And they've, your... they've, 
they've got to go do that. What's your understanding on how much the committee traditionally um, looks at just metrics as opposed to like, okay, I've got the metrics in front of me, but I've also used my eyeballs and I've seen this particular team um, in Nebraska's case is very appealing in the fact that they've, they beat Purdue and Wisconsin, which very few teams can do. You went toe to toe at Illinois. If, if I'm, uh, if I have a, can have a personal opinion on it and I look at metrics of teams and they're kind of the same, that would mean something to me. Like if this, if I saw with my own eyes, those games and as, like yeah this team could maybe do a little something in the tournament because we've seen they could take down a big dog i think that's possible to me it seems um the 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 most critical factor here is you just can't have that bad loss like you yes. just can't have that that michigan loss is going to count mm-hmm. twice and you um, got to beat them you know, twice Rutgers loss at home probably would count twice so like you you've got to be able to take care of those games and right there if you win just those those three You've got, you know, and then you find two more, you're at, you're in a good spot. But like, that's, that's sort of the game that they're playing right here. And that's why winning games against Illinois and Northwestern, you know, it's huge because you're just adding to your resume. You're also helping yourself. I mean, if if Nebraska can get to the four seed um, and get the double bye, you're going to face a more tired team on Friday in the Big Ten tournament. And that, you know, gives you another opportunity to get a potentially important win and then set yourself up for an important game. And then, you know, if you win three games at that point, we're not even having to talk about the bubble. So it's, uh, everything matters yeah. obviously, but, um, it, it just taking care of business and taking care of the teams that are the worst on your schedule right now ha- is so paramount to them. They just can't afford that trip up. And that's why all of these games are, you're just going to, you're going to feel tight. The chest is going to feel tight. You're going to be nervous. Like that's just, I mean, that's how it is, but you'd rather this feeling than, you know, looking oh, up yeah. and realizing that Nebraska is playing and you didn't even know. Yep. Um, yeah. These, these games, I always felt like Illinois Northwestern are a nice, not, not that you want to look at it this way if you're inside the locker room, but like a safety net a bit. Like you could, if you can get one of these two, especially had they got Illinois, but they didn't. Um, then if you did slip up to somebody, that maybe that covers it a little bit, you know, more, but what you're talking about is interesting too, with the, you know, if you could get a, the double buy or whatever, um, you also could potentially avoid in that case, um, a little bit of a dangerous game. Not that you don't, you know, like if you, let's say you get like a, a seating where you're a five or six seed and you're playing, you know, 11 or 12 seed, um, on the, the, you know, the first round of four, um, that's a pressure game. Then all of a sudden, if you're like sort of on the book, like you really got to handle that one. So you, cause you have another opportunity for a bad loss. That's where the end of the schedule is both comforting. Like, Oh man, they could win five of seven or six of seven. And also like, okay, you, you better be on your P's and Q's because uh, one slip up and it's a, it's a, it's a bad loss and that'll hurt. Yeah. No question about it. All right, let's finish up. Guess a uh, guess a random Husker Hooper. BC has the uh, the random player. I will uh, I will try to get this done in three clues or less, and hopefully never have to guess more than once. But I'll cap myself at two. Okay. Um, the era would have been. Um, he was an honorable mention Big Twelve player in the year two thousand three.
Kerry Cohorn? No. Um, I, I feel like he would have been gone by 2003, so now I regret saying that. All right. Um, no, it's all right. I have he another started, guess, but I'll wait. I'll no. wait and see what you say here. Uh, he started got? in uh, like Juco or Community College before working his way to Nebraska. Uh, you would classify Andrew him. Drebo? As, no. You would classify Turk? him, though, as like a Midwest uh, from the Midwest. Okay. I kind of don't want to say the city because I think it'd give it away too easily. I've already used my two guesses. I was I shouldn't have said this is me. This is me not looking this up beforehand and taking and hoping I'm right in this. I believe he hit the a, a big shot in that NIT game against Creighton, and I hope I'm not misidentifying. If what year was that when they played there and they beat them by one? Uh that would have been 2003. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Okay. I think he's the guy. He hit. I believe if. If I'm remembering right, he had a big shot that like put him up one. It was a game where like Nate Funk got defended on right at the end and they blocked him. The the only other name that's coming to mind, and I was like really just assuming it was a big guy, but is it Nate Johnson? It's Nate Johnson. Yeah. I, I mean, if I I just wasted too many guesses. I mean, I, I got there in my head. He had the layup against Creighton to win the game. I'm pretty sure. Is that um, it? it was an NIT game. I remember um, this will this will take you back in time a little bit for me. Anyways, I had my uh, Eagle Scout board of review that night, and all I wanted Ooh. was to to get in there, make my case, you know, have them accept it, get this over with as quickly as possible, so I could get home to watch an NIT game featuring Nebraska and Creek. And uh, you know, I I was awarded the Eagle Scout which at the time mattered a lot less to me than being able to uh, to go home and watch the second half of this basketball game. So. Would an Eagle Scout get down on officiating the way you do, or is an Eagle Scout <laughs> supposed to be like kind well, of above that? An Eagle Scout is expected to be courteous <laughs> and kind, um, you know, all of these different things. I don't know that I uh, represent the order of the arrow quite as uh, – quite as well as I probably should, but that's uh, all right. You know. I, by the way, I respect officials got, it's a really freaking tough job. I get it. And, uh, it is. and all that, and no, but they also and, control the fate of games in their hands. They do. So it works they both do. ways. Like it's difficult. They do. But, they do. You know, with great power comes great responsibility, right? Like the Spider-Man yeah. quote. That's it. And it applies to big 10 <laughs> officiating. Someone's going to point out that that came from someone that wasn't <laughs> uncle Ben in Spider-Man. <laughs> that's where I know it. No, right, I think they originated it. Yeah, we're talking Spider-Man. That's our cue. It's time to go. A terrible performance by me and the guess the random Oscar Hooper. I'm sure you I got it. hearing. Yeah, I only took like four guesses and completely wrong positions. A guy who wasn't even on the team, I think, in 2003. Just, That's better uh, than I usually do. I'm like, I don't know. So, like, I end up guessing like Luke Longley or something who didn't even play here. So you... <laughs> Luke Longley. All right. Yeah. Um and for that, another uh, another edition of the Husker 24-7 Hoops cast has come to a close. Be sure to check out Husker247.com. If you're listening to this on a Tuesday, we've got a new deal going right before signing day. Um, it should be worth your time checking out as well. So uh, be sure to stop by the site, see what the details are on that. If you qualify, you could be an existing, uh, I believe, subscriber or a new one and still be able to save a little bit of money. 
with Husker 24-7. Plenty of coverage coming for basketball. Plenty of coverage coming for signing day. Plenty of more Husker 24-7 basketball content that you can know and expect from Brian Christopherson. For Brian, I'm Mike Shaver. We will catch you next time.